I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hi, everybody. I'm King Kaufman, the producer of A's Plus. And just like last week, I'm going to tell you not to worry. Susan Slusser is here. She couldn't record this intro because she was running for a plane again, this time at JFK. After the A's lost in the AL wildcard game to the New York Yankees 7-2 at Yankee Stadium. But this episode is a conversation between Susan, San Francisco Chronicle baseball writer John Shea, and official scorer and stats guru David Feldman. So it's a Feldy Files and a Shea's Plus all wrapped up into one. They talk about the wildcard game, the 2018 season, and they'll look ahead to 2019. Is the magic of 2018 repeatable? Susan Slusser, John Shea, Dave Feldman, coming up on A's Plus. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello and welcome to, uh, I'm not sure what we're going to call this uh, season ending. Is it? Is this a Shea Plus? Is this a Feldy Follies or a Shea, Shea Feldy Follies Plus? Something like that. Um, John Shea from the Chronicle and Dave Feldman, the official scorer, stats guru extraordinaire. Um, welcome uh, to the end of season A's Plus podcast. Thank you. Well, thanks. Are we, uh, are we this, is this the final one of the year? Is this the final one of 2018? We, we hope to, the, yeah, the, we, can, we hope to continue to, week. yeah, throw we'll some in again. here and there as warranted. Maybe when the A's make moves or, uh, you know, certainly a winter meetings type thing, or you know, just check in with you guys now and then and see see if you have any thoughts on the season. I, I think uh, people like staying up to date with the A's, so we'll we'll keep trying to to get this going every now and then. Um, first of all, of course, we have to talk about the wild card loss. Um, John Shea, you were there with me at Yankee Stadium. What did you take away from all of that? I know the bullpenning was, was kind of the controversial aspect in the wake of the A's loss, uh, but, but what did you think of the game just as a whole? Was that really uh, the, the sort of dagger in the A's heart was the bullpenning? Well, I, I think it's more than that. They didn't hit. I mean, we saw a Yankee team that had three more wins that was on pace for a lot more wins until the final month or two. They were keeping stride with Boston until they didn't. But the Yankees just showed with that crowd and that environment, a, a team that's tough to beat with that pitcher. Granted, Severino went only one out in, uh, he only got one, he retired one batter in last year's wild card game. So that was their own way of bullpenning in a forced way. But this time, Obviously, you know, just to cruise through the first few innings and batters just couldn't keep up with the 
the, the velocity and, and the break. And it, it, I mean, not that they haven't handled this kind of stuff before, but it, it, it just it just was a bad scene when they were down to nothing. And I'm not sure if it was bullpenning as much as they didn't hit. And some some relievers, it wasn't just bullpen. Some relievers were in roles that they just haven't been in all year. Feldy, what what did you see? I, I know you were watching closely on TV. Well, I, I think when it starts off two batters and you're down two nothing, it obviously doesn't feel very good. Um, but when Trevino came in and he got through the second inning after putting the first two guys on base, gets out of the inning, that was just two nothing as, as the game's going on. And it's still two nothing, and it's two nothing, and you're going to the sixth inning. And you're only down two nothing. That is probably the best you could have hoped for, no matter who was pitching. So I, I don't think the bullpen had really anything to do with this. It was total lack of hitting because the eight hitters, after getting blown away in the first couple innings, first by fastballs and by sliders from Severino, they settled down and they gave themselves chances to come through with a big hit, which they unfortunately were not able to do. They weren't squaring up the ball against Severino at all. But again, as they go into that sixth inning. And this is where the game obviously changed on the scoreboard, but it changed in many ways because Alan DeChantis was done now. He had thrown his two innings, and he wasn't going to go anymore for the Yankees. So I thought the A's felt pretty good about their offensive chances, knowing Robertson and Britton are two guys they, they can hit. But, unfortunately, Fernando Rodney came in. Judge hits one of the strangest balls you're ever going to see, a ball that starts foul and spins fair. And then the inning obviously got away. Trining comes in, which I – I believe was the right move. You needed a strikeout at that point with a runner at third and a strikeout hitter up. Uh, and Boyd put a long at that. Boyd gave the A's trouble in Oakland in September, uh, and he puts a great swing on the ball and comes through. Uh, I think that inning, just, just the whole feel of the game changed in that inning uh, where the A's really had put themselves in a good position to win the game. Yeah, that void at bat, really, I think that was the ace season right there. Um, and you're right, he, he was a thorn in the ace side in September. Really the only Yankee that did a lot of damage in that, that series. Uh, but, he, you know, he fouls off three two-strike pitches. And um, he, Trinan said afterwards, you know, he's throwing his, him his best sinker. Like, everything was working. They, they were, you know, the location exactly where they wanted. Just really a great, great piece of hitting. So uh, that's where things turned. I felt... Uh, kind of bad for Blake Trinan. He's been so magnificent all year, and I, I think afterwards he felt like it all kind of was on him. Uh, I think Rodney's role in this, uh, certainly I feel like I didn't address it quite as uh, well in the aftermath uh, of everything, but really uh, he's the one that did not look so comfortable coming in, and, and honestly he was not terrific in September. I would be surprised if we see the A's pick up his options, certainly. What did what did you think there, um, John Shea, about Fernando uh, in the wild card game, but also his potential future with the A's and the option. Well, I don't think there's a future, and I think he was terrible in September, and he was terrible in the wild card game. And I'm not sure if you, you should use him if you're bringing in that many pitchers. And this is a guy with an 8.38 ERA in September in 11 outings. 11 times he went to the mound, six times he gave up runs in September. That's not the sign of a guy who's going to do anything in October. But they went with him. I understand they got him as a big uh, acquisition along with Familia and Kelly. And you use him in that inning all year. Well, it, it, he melted down. And he couldn't get an out. Uh, and, you know, he, he didn't have great body language. And it's like, what is this guy doing here in this most important inning of the year? So I go back to the question, 
of if everybody's out of their own roles anyway, and you know you're going to use Trinan early, and Hendricks gave you the one inning, you're down 2 nothing. Trevino gave you the solid three innings, right? So now it's, you know, down two run as Feldy, uh, two nothing as Feldy said through five. Um, and, and maybe, so you have, you have what, four more innings to go. And if that's such a big inning, you know, what, why not throw Familia out there who hasn't done all that great either, a 6.23 ERA in his last nine in September. So maybe start trying it in the sixth. And, and he knew he could go three innings, so six, seven, eight, then maybe finish up with Familia, who has plenty of, uh, you know, ninth inning experience in his life. That, that's just a possibility. I mean, you're going with what got you there, but it's not like Rodney did much uh, in September at all, and he was a big acquisition, like I said. But uh, And also, I, I just wonder if um, Trinan had enough time to warm up I asked him, I said, listen, this is the first time all year you pitched the sixth inning. What, was that was that part of the, the reason for giving up these runs and letting the game get away? And he said, no, I don't think so. We were aware of our roles coming in. Where, well, if they're aware of our roles coming in, you know, did he, did he have enough time to warm up? And if he did, uh, you know, I just go back to, well, just start him. Let him go the sixth, seventh, eighth. Keep it to nothing. You know, as we as we know, Chris, Chris Davis hit that two-run homer, but we can't assume he would have done it under the same circumstances, down to nothing. But still, just a question I had that that uh, I'm curious about. Yeah, you know what? I would have gone with, uh, you know, if you're going to use a guy for maybe one inning there, uh, maybe use the guy who's been your hottest reliever, um, J.B. Wendelkin, uh, who who looked like he could handle big situations. The A's kept using him in, in sort of more and more key spots, and he responded well every time. Uh, teams don't have that much of a report on him, and he seemed very confident. Uh, it was, uh, I think, almost a shame that he winds up not getting used when he'd been so good. Um John, I know you wrote about the fact uh, that Daniel Mingdon was not on the wild card roster, despite the fact that he'd really taken to that uh, second guy in role, the bridge guy, whatever you're going to call it, uh, and had pitched, in, in fact, very well against the Yankees. Um, Dave Feldman, what did you think of that decision to not include Daniel Mingdon? Now, I'm not sure he would have been a factor in the sixth inning. By, at that point anyway, so maybe it's still the same scenario with Rodney, but uh, just in general, that was the Mingdon decision maybe one that, that you would second-guess? I didn't second-guess it at all. When, when they figured they were going to go with the bullpen game, and they kept one starter and Edwin Jackson in case they went to the next inning, uh, I figured that's what they were going to do as far as not using a starter, only in case of emergency. Uh, when Delton would have been an interesting choice uh, to come in in the sixth inning, uh, probably uh, maybe a situation too big, but then I saw Colorado did that with one of their relievers yesterday, a guy who hadn't really pitched much, and he, and he came in late and pitched well. Um, the familiar choice over Rodney, to me, and this was first guessing as I was going through this game, that's where I thought they were going to go because they kind of stole an inning with Sean Kelly when he got through the fifth. I thought, okay, you, you, now you got basically you're looking at four innings. You can get two out of familiar and at least two out of Trinan if not more out of time, if Familia gets into trouble. So I really thought they would just skip Rodney because of the way he pitched down the stretch in September. He wasn't that effective. Now, again, you know, Judge gets the weird the weird double, which is ruined the inning, and you go back into the eighth inning when Simeon leads off with a line shot that looks clearly like it's going to be a double, 
and it's a very it makes a great play. Yeah. This is A's situations in playoffs, right? We can go through since two thousand weird things happen to the A's in the playoffs, <laughs> and this is just another one where it's just a crazy ball that goes for a double, a line shot that's a clear double gets caught from a guy who just came into the game because the guy who was originally playing third was terrible at third base and then do harm. Uh, so no, I, I don't mind the not having Megan. Uh, I kind of mind it going to Rodney, uh, and I really mind the DA's offense not coming through with big hits when they had opportunities early. Yeah, the is the key. Let, let, let me ask you this real quick before you move on. But I, I'm, I'm thinking of a guy who, in his last 13 games of uh, the season, had a 0.69 ERA. Was has had great postseason experience with the Giants uh, in short relief and long relief. Um, He's Merrill Petit. Yeah. I mean, he he was untouched. And I mean, maybe he's the, your sixth inning guy suddenly. I mean, he he's he's done it, and he's been in the uh, spotlight in October. And if you want one inning or two innings, maybe if he has a quick one, two, three, or, uh, clean sixth inning, maybe you know part of the seventh. That way, Trinan has to go less. But just uh, I mean, that's another opportunity. I just didn't see. As soon as Rodney came out, he said, "Oh boy, really? Okay, here we go." <laughs> Yeah, it, did. it was playing a little bit with too much with fire. If you're going to go make it a bullpen game, make your bullpen, you know, the best guys you can at the given time. And, uh, you know, I, managers don't like second guessing, of course. Front offices don't. I think we all we all know that the, the bullpenning idea, certainly especially that using the opener, was something that came from the front office. And I, I think um, Bob Melvin and his staff became more comfortable with it and everyone understood by the end i mean the the players all said you know hey we're going with our strengths we get that uh our starters are, are not the strength our bullpen is the strength i think everyone was on board um but i think it would have been great if they had started doing it before september um you know they, they wanted that last month to kind of get everyone acclimated particularly hendrix but it was pretty clear not everyone was acclimated um, and, I, and I think that, that goes for absolutely everyone, players, coaches, manager, maybe even front office. Um, I, I think we might see a little bit of it more next year, depending on what the rotation looks like. But um, they might want to have implemented this a little bit earlier. I think you kind of touched a, bit, a little bit on that, John, in your uh, story following the wild card game. But as you wrote in late August with the interview with David Forrest, that came right after a couple of more. Uh, injured pitchers came out of the rotation. So I'm not sure if there was a need in early August or July or even mid-August that they were seriously looking at this, right? I mean, if, yeah, was... if you go back to the rotation, maybe there were more uh, options at that point. Maybe none of them too great for a one-game wild card. Uh, and, and, yeah, the, the Mengden piece was interesting. The, the Fires piece was interesting. Here's a guy who was uh, on the mound and the A's went eight and one in his starts uh, since they got him in August. Uh, the, the the one hiccup was the game in which they used him in the second inning as the follower or the bridge or whatever you call that role following the opener. And he he did terrible. And he admitted he did terrible. And he admitted he wasn't comfortable in that role. He's only comfortable as a starter. So yes, he's a fly ball pitcher. Yes, he's struggled at Yankee Stadium. Uh, but it was just odd seeing their most effective starter, who and, and and by the way Jackson, they have a great record with him on the mound, but he didn't look good in his final game or two. 
So it's, you, you know, you can step back a few days later and question why or, and how they did this. But uh, they wouldn't have done it in this Boston series. They would have gone with Fires. They would have gone with Jackson. Maybe Cahill in Game 3 at home because he's so much better at home than on the road. So you would have seen a more traditional rotation in the division series because you just can't you just can't throw Blake trying in two or three innings every night. Well, interestingly, I, I, I don't know if you got if you noticed, John. By the way, Daniel Mingdon was in the A's clubhouse at, at, at yes. Yankee Stadium, so I, I think he there was a chance he was going to be on a division series roster. Yeah. What were you going to say, Feldy? If this game if this game was at home, if this game was at the Oakland Coliseum. I think Fires is starting that game. Yeah. I think it was just a matchup thing at Yankee Stadium. Like John mentioned, a fly ball pitcher. If it's, he's not had success in that stadium, it's not a good place for him to pitch in that stadium just because he's going to pitch high in the zone. He's not that quite of a hard thrower. Um, and you wanted to go with, with, with velocity against the Yankees right-handed hitters at Yankee Stadium. I think it's a totally different situation if that game's in the Coliseum. I think Fires is starting. Yeah, I think that's a good call. Now, um, we've been talking a lot about some of these starters. Um, the A's have some decisions to make. Uh, I, I, I have a feeling they might talk to Edwin Jackson about coming back. That you know, that they don't have a lot of sure things in terms of health for, for the younger guys coming back. We we don't really know what Shamanaya's status will be for for really any of the year. Um, Certainly, Cotton and Puck won't be back until you would imagine, maybe just before mid-season, if that if that's uh, possible. Um, Triggs maybe, Gossett and Graveman late in the season, if at all. Uh, we don't know James Caprillion's status, so uh, they they probably will need a veteran starter or two. They loved Edwin Jackson; he really liked playing in Oakland. I, I would imagine he's a possibility. I'm not sure about Cahill or Anderson. Fire uh, is going into his final year of arbitration. I would imagine he comes back. Um, but uh, Familia and Rodney, I think, are, are probably both gone. Familia will be expensive, and um, Rodney, I don't, I just don't see why they would pick up the option. How do you guys see things going with the, with the, especially with the pitchers they have to make decisions on? Well, it's the biggest question in the off season, other than Jed Lowry. Uh, pretty much all the key guys are back in the lineup, right? So uh, the, the, the bullpen, you know, as long as Trine and Trevino are there, that's, that's the foundation. They could build around that. And Wendelka. But the rotate. And, okay, okay. Then <laughs> um, you're right. You, you look good down the stretch, and maybe over a full season, you look really good. But th- there's, like you said, Cotton and Buck and Manaya, uh, and they're not going to start off with Luzardo, who's the best uh, left-handed you know, starter prospect in the minor leagues right now. So those are four guys they will have at the end of the next year, right? So they'll be looking pretty pretty good in August and September. And, and maybe in the wild card game, they won't have to go with this uh, eight, nine reliever uh, mindset. So, but now the question is whether they could do well enough to be in a playoff position to utilize that rotation. But you're right. How are you going to fill five spots from now until opening day? I mean, we, a whole bunch of guys got injured. I think they're going to really have to rely on just a lot of young guys who, if healthy, could fill spots, you know, warm bodies to, uh, you know, the bridge until midseason when these other guys are available. Yeah, Feldy, any, anybody in particular you'd like to see back among that, that group? Hey, boy, there's, there's, a, there's a lot of help wanted signs being put up in the A's offices for, for starting <laughs> pitching. Um, much, much like this year, and that's why they're going to go into next year with a lot of expectations, obviously, because of what they did this year, and I think they need to be 
uh, tempered down a little bit because of this. This was this was amazing what they were able to do with what they were able to piece together with the starters they did. Um, I don't know if you can do that in back-to-back years, and that's probably what they're going to be doing. I'm with you with Cahill and Anderson. I could see Cahill coming back more than Anderson, um, but I'd like to see him bring Edward Jackson back because, again, we talk about the veteran starter and a veteran presence and a good guy. Um, so I think that's that's a good thing. But really, Frankie Montas, you're hoping that he's going to step up and he'll take one of the starting jobs. Uh, Mike Fires will take one of them, you would think. Uh, after that, Megan coming back. Uh, does Aaron Brooks get, get a chance to be a starter? I, I don't know. I think it's, it's an open trial camp again yeah. come come February, right? And yeah. who knows who we're going to see on the roster in Tokyo. Um, it's going to be really interesting. And I just think that the offense and the Jed Lowry question, which we can talk about, but for the most part, that offense is coming back whole. And that I think they're just going to improve. I, I always feel like we saw these young hitters improve as the season went along. Uh, I would like to see Matt Olson make a little more contact consistently, but that can come. The power is obviously there, but it's going to be getting through those first six innings again. And how are they going to piece that together? It's, it's going to be interesting to see. Now here the, to me, the key guy here, and, and I'm, I'm not sure that the front office would agree with me. In fact, they probably don't looking at the metrics, but Jonathan Lucroy, um, to me, he saved the A season, particularly early when it was a bunch of young pitchers. There were lots of injuries. Guys were coming in and out of the rotation. Uh, he's just, uh, he handles the pitching staff so well. And I know, you know, there's numbers on pitch framing and all that kind of stuff that don't necessarily um, show what he does for a team. But I could tell you that the pitchers absolutely swore by him. They trusted him. Uh, you know, he, he was thrust into a difficult position. It's really astonishing he was available when he was, when the A's realized that Bruce Maxwell was not going to be the answer as their everyday catcher. That They bring in this guy who uh, is as prepared a catcher as I've ever seen. And the A's have had Jason Kendall, who is, is off the charts prepared. Uh, and he fits in the clubhouse. He becomes a team leader. Uh, you know, he's not, a, he's not much of an offensive player anymore. But uh, I could see them bringing him back for at least a year if he would be willing to do that. I, if I'm him, I don't come back for a year. I want at least two years. Uh, Sean Murphy, I can't see being ready to start the season. That's a lot to ask of a guy who had a broken hamate bone late in the season, missed some time, and uh, you know really does not have experience at the AAA level. So I, I think that uh, Lucroy, to me, would be my top priority among everybody to bring back. I just don't know if, if they will. I don't know if the front office might think that they have uh, better maybe free agent catchers they could go after or trade for somebody. I don't know if they're going to find anybody who was effective in the way as uh, Jonathan Lucroy was with that pitching staff. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, the A's have no Franklin Barreto uh, waiting in the wings to catch as they do at second base. Someone who's probably ready to take over on an everyday basis in case Jed Lowry leaves, and that's Barreto, but they don't have any catcher to that extent. And, we, you know, we saw the extent of Bruce Maxwell's career, I think, at least in the A's organization. And the A's have a history of maybe not keeping catchers around long-term when Suzuki was ready to make the bigger money and other catchers ready to make the bigger money. They moved on. And in this case, though, there's really nobody waiting in the wings. I think he's not going to take a one-year deal. He took a one-year deal for $6.5 million this year only because it was March, only because the free agent market was dry at the time. It was a terrible year for mid-level 
free agents, uh, many of whom did not sign up to expectations, and that inclu included Ducroy at $6.5 kind of a steal based on what he did and working with so many pitchers, almost a record number of pitchers and starters and relievers throughout the year. And I, I think he did get some key hits through the year, and uh, his clubhouse presence was really second to none. Uh, if you go around the clubhouse and say, what, what was the biggest acquisition, I think, universally everybody would say, well, it was the catcher we got that kind of solidified our lineup, solidified our defense, solidified our pitching staff because of what he did for them. So I don't think he, he'll come back for anything less than two years, and uh, I, I think he'll get it elsewhere if he doesn't get it here. Yeah, I agree with you. Feldy? Yeah, it's going to be an interesting market for catchers uh, on the free agent. Uh, just looking at the list, you know, Drew Bertera, Yasmani Grandel, Martin Maldonado, Jeff Mathis, Evan Mesorosco, Wilson Ramos. Uh, there's so, there are some names that are offensively better than Jonathan Lucor. I mean, he took a big step back offensively, and he has been as the, as the year's been going down, uh, going by. Um, and because of that, I don't know his value on the free agent market because teams now, they like to buy offense. Right? right, and they're—he's not providing that. He provides everything else. A tremendous ability behind the plate, uh, working with pitchers, a calmness about him. He's also a winner. He tends to show up in the postseason every year. Yep. Um, I think because of that, because of his offensive numbers being down, I think the A's do have a chance to sign him if that's what they want to do. Um, the second-year thing is probably what would be the hang-up. I think the A's would have no problem giving him another year. But giving him the second year, that's where it becomes a little hanky. But for the A's to be to be successful again, talking about next year and having to go through young pitchers again or new pitchers or whatever they end up doing, you want some stability behind the plate, and that's what Luke Hoy would be able to provide. I, I think he would be a big plus, and I would like to see the A's bring him back. Well, maybe that maybe they do something with a, a very nice favorable option or even a mutual option, which they do don't do often, but they have done occasionally. Maybe something that vests, um, hopefully something that uh, vests that they um, treat, uh, um, you know, in the spirit of the agreement, unlike maybe one or two in the past. Uh, I, I would I would love to see that. I really think he just had a, a much bigger impact on this the entire season than than I think a, a lot of people. Might might realize that he he saved their bacon uh, quite a lot. You're right. The calmness to me was especially valuable and, and the winning aspect. Now this whole experience, particularly going to the playoffs, playing a team like the Yankees in Yankee Stadium, uh, despite the result, how uh, how much of a, a great experience can this be for a young, mostly young team going forward? Can they use this? Does this make them a, a better team? Just having played in that wild card game. Well, if the A's make the playoffs next year, you can't say, well, only two or three of their everyday guys <laughs> have been to the postseason because now the entire infield, well, three of the four guys who hadn't been are, are now in. And, you know, all the outfielders that they've called up uh, and, and used, and plus Canna, who's been around, obviously Simeon and Chapman and Olsen, all new to them. So most of the relievers, especially the ones acquired late, were – uh, were experienced in the postseason, but yeah, I, I mean, I think Chapman and Olson—that's that, really the foundation of your offense and defense. Chris Davis as well, obviously, but he's not a defensive player anymore. But Chapman makes the shortstop better, uh, and he makes and, and Olson makes everybody better. 
And for that reason, I think we saw Lowry and, and Simeon have their best defensive years of their career. And just because Olsen just caught everything. I mean, that, that play in the wildcard game, Chapman moving to his left and the quick throw in the dirt that Olsen gloved with the runner McCutcheon right in his face. It was just unbelievable how calm he was and how cool he was under that. Uh, you know, he's the, Chapman throws 100 miles an hour piece from third base and Olsen just picks him up like it's a, like it's a Nerf ball, you know, playing in the living room. It's so easy for him. So he makes everybody better. Chapman uh, is, is just the, the wildest defensive player we've ever seen. Uh, too many errors, 20 during the season, however, especially late. But I think that's, you know, with those two and Davis coming back, and you would think they would uh, ex- extend Davis because there's really nothing like him in the in the big leagues with his opposite field power and his stability and consistency, 40 home runs, same batting average year after year after year. You, you, I mean, you literally know what you're going to get with this guy. So I, I think uh, uh, the future is uh, – uh, I think you know, everybody else is a role player behind Chapman Olsen and to a certain extent Davis. So I, I think uh, as long as you hold on to those guys, and they will because they still uh, are far away from free agency, then I, they should contend. Yeah, I think so. And uh, by the way, I had been telling everybody all week uh, Davis was going to put one in the short porch. So just as an FYI. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, Feldy, do you, do you think this um, maybe this experience makes them even hungrier? I think it's a pretty hungry team to start off with, as as we've seen. Yeah, it definitely makes them hungrier to get a taste. And one guy that John did mention who really in the last two months was huge for the Oakland Athletics was Ramon Moriano. Yes. Uh, I mean, this guy took charge of the center field position. Um, offensively, probably hit better than most people thought. Um, came up with big hits, and how impressive were his at bat in the wild card game? Yeah, you look at his lines. Oh, for three, lost two strikeouts, but he took a lot of pitches for the most part. Only one at bat that he, that he actually put the first pitch in play, but he worked a, a huge walk, taking pitches just off the corner. Uh, and again, we're using that word again, calm. He was calm at the plate. Yep. Um, using a baseball term, just spitting on the outside corner. Um, I just think this guy, now you're talking the, the up the middle part, right? Well, they got the center field part down. He's, he's athletic as anybody we've seen out there. Uh, his arm, second to none. Uh, not just in the velocity, but the accuracy, ridiculous. Um, I, they found a player. Uh, and this is a guy who can, who's going to be in that lineup, uh, every day. And, uh, I think as this season with Chapman and Olsen, your cornerstones, and you got to add Loriano too, because I mean, he's a key piece of this A's future. Boy, and Nick Martini is a really nice add too. And also, the at bats weren't quite as good in the wild card game, but I was very impressed with his at bats, especially when he when he was leading off during the regular season. Um, really nice. Um, you know, not a five tool guy. Certainly, like Loriano, not doesn't have the speed, but um, you know, for, for a guy they got as a six year minor league free agent, are you kidding me? That's that's a very yeah, nice. Um, pick up, but really a lot to like. I think about the A's next year. The division, of course, will be stacked again. The Astros will be coming off whatever they do now, which which could be a, again a another extremely great season. Uh, the a- Angels look like they might be starting to put things a little bit together. They were uh, better, I think, um, in the second half, 
and and the Mariners, you know, you never know. They they went on that long run this year. It looked like they might be a playoff team. They always seem like they're right on the verge. I don't think you can count them out. And the the Rangers will have new leadership, um, and they always seem to have a lot of resources. So it, it's not a given the A's are going back to the postseason next year. They're going to have to work for it. And I think, uh, as we've touched on, uh, quite a lot here. The pitching is going to be what it comes down to because I th- I really like this group of position players they have. I think they're pretty set. As long as they bring back Lucroy, I think that, that they're in good shape there. Well, yeah, I, you know, I, I, I was never sold on the Mariners, their run differential, and the fact that they really did nothing extremely well from, you know, they had a great closer and they had a real fine one-two punch at the beginning of the rotation. But otherwise, they were pretty mediocre, meaning in the middle of the pack, statistically, in hitting, pitching, defense. So it really caught up with them, the fact that they gave up a whole lot more runs than they scored. And I'm not sure they can keep doing that uh, at that level. Uh, Robinson Cano or no Robinson Cano. The Rangers just didn't look good at all. And I'm not sure how far away they are. I mean, the Angels won't have Otani on the mound because of Tommy John surgery. They're going to have a new manager. Sosa is out. Uh, Mike Trout's been to the postseason once, and that, that's one of the most incredible stats in baseball. Yeah. Uh, the best player in the game can't help that team get to the postseason. What does that say about that team? They keep throwing <laughs> the same rotation out there. Everybody keeps getting hurt. But unlike the A's, they don't rebound from injuries, and it really cost them this year. So I'm not sure – how much competition the A's are going to have next year beyond Houston? Uh, I, I'm not I'm not sold on the Angels, Mariners, or Rangers next year unless they really upgrade in the offseason. All right. Well, that's a, that's a little more uh, uh, optimistic from an A's fan's perspective, I think, than than I would be. Uh, Feldy. Yeah, that's really optimistic. Um, I, this A's team reminded me of, of reaching the success that they did of the 2015 Astros. Uh, 2015 Astros won 86 games after winning only 70 the year before. Uh, they won the wild card. And they were a year early. And yeah. no one thought the Astros were going to win that year. So they did take a step back in 2016. They, they only won 84 games. which was still a good season, but they did not make the playoffs. Um, but you could see it building. So that's where, with, with this A's team, I think you can't recapture the magic of this year and do what they did and, and play in a season where... There were some teams who weren't even trying from what it looked like with the players on the field, um, and the A's took well advantage of that, which other teams could have. The A's did it. Um, I'm not disrespecting them at all because it's, just, it's hard to win 97 games. Um, but it was a good year to win 97 games where there were some really terrible teams, yes. and they took advantage of it. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you're going to have that next year. Um, so as, as positive as John wants to be in the division – I, I think you got to hold that back because I think the A's biggest competition is going to be within themselves and being able to duplicate up to uh, what they did this year and trying to get starting pitching. Yeah, uh, I think that's that's fair. Gentlemen, we shall, uh, I think, pick this up at some point later in the offseason, maybe do, uh, now, now that I've figured out how to do the three-way call, <laughs> I think we should right. uh, maybe chat more about the A's in this offseason, and uh, as always, I look forward to it. Thanks so much for helping out with A's Plus all season, and uh, it was a, certainly a fun one uh, to institute this podcast. I, I know a lot of people enjoyed it, and I couldn't have had more fun doing it, but I couldn't have done it without you guys. Thank you. It was a pretty good year by both you guys. 
I mean, pretty good year by the A's, but great year by both of you guys. <laughs> I think that's really what the takeaway should be. Feldy, thanks so much, and uh, we'll be talking. Hopefully, we'll we'll be talking to people from Japan next year too. That would be great. That would be awesome. Excellent. Well, thanks, guys, and uh, thanks to all the listeners who have uh, given us so much nice feedback over the course of the season. Uh, it was really a blast, and we will be back with you again sometime soon. Ace Plus is part of the San Francisco Chronicle Podcast Network. I'd love it if you'd rate, review, and subscribe to Ace Plus wherever you get your podcasts. This show is produced by King Kaufman and Fernando Diaz. For more A's coverage, follow me on Twitter at Susan Slusser and get all of our coverage at sfchronicle.com. Hold up. 